Amen. Well, we're in John chapter 15 this morning, and good morning, and uh, it's good to see all of you uh, here today, and uh, I made a commitment to myself and to the Lord that I wasn't going to complain about the weather this year, and I think I've only done it maybe once or twice, and so um, nobody's perfect, don't judge, right? And, uh, but today, uh, you know, I could get it if you were like, ooh, man, it's cold out there, so, um, but we're glad you're here. Uh, you know, because it'd be very easy, like Mike said, to just kind of sit at home and uh, bundle up a little bit. And yet, you know, God has a word for us this morning. And uh, prayer is one of those topics that's kind of difficult to talk about because, you know, we use phrases, and I'm going to talk about this later, but we use phrases like, well, I'm going to pray for you, or I'm going to lift you up in my prayers. And quite frankly, I don't even know what that means. I'm going to lift you up, you know. And uh, we say things like that. And then we often, we don't even follow through and pray for the person that's asking us for prayer. And uh, if you notice, like a lot of times uh, when people come to me and they'll be like, hey, can you pray for me? Like right there in the foyer, I'm like, let me pray right now, you know, because uh, a lot of times I'll forget. I want you to know that that prayer request is, uh, is important. But this morning, I want us to take a moment out of John chapter 15, verse number seven. And I'd like for us just to consider the potential of prayer. And not just from the answers that we get from God when we reach out to him in prayer for the things that we need or for the things that our our heart is broken over. But I want you to consider this morning the potential of prayer and how it might impact your relationship to Jesus Christ. And so that phrase may seem in many ways like we want to consider prayer. The word phrase itself in a lot of ways, it comes off very benign. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need to pray more, or we need to pray better, or we need to pray more effectively, or we need, to, we need to pray more fervently. Oftentimes, when we hear those phrases, they come across very benign. They come off as a Christian platitude or, or a Christian cliche. But ultimately, when Jesus invites us into prayer, it's anything but benign. It's anything but a cliche or a platitude. It's an invitation into something more, something greater. You see, when you begin to understand that that prayer is designed as a call to intimacy with the divine, it then becomes a delight, not a duty to check off your list. In fact, when you begin to understand that prayer is a call to intimacy, it becomes a time that is treasured between you and God. That's what prayer was designed to be. I would suggest to you this morning, and my wife's grandfather used to say this all the time, but he would say, prayer is the hardest work I know. And I believe that this morning. Prayer is the hardest work that I know. And the only way to overcome the awkwardness of prayer and even the difficulty of prayer is to recognize its power to satisfy our souls once we come into the presence of our loving Father. You know, the only thing that I know in life that overcomes, and isn't it sometimes when you pray, can it be sometimes a little awkward? Like, what do I say, and how do I really talk to God? I mean, he's God, right? It seems somewhat awkward to, to have a conversation with God himself. In fact, sometimes uh, there's a difficulty to prayer. Oftentimes, um, we find it hard to carve out time to pray, or sometimes we'll pray when we're laying in bed and we fall asleep and we're just weary from the day and we're just, we're just trying to hold it together. And the one way, one of the ways that we overcome that awkwardness and that that difficulty is recognizing the 
power of prayer to satisfy some of the deepest needs of our soul. Now I want to suggest to you this morning that, you know, God has made us for more. He's made us for um, uh, greater things than probably we've even imagined or even understood for our own lives. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, in this text, we find Jesus inviting us into the greatest narrative in human history, and that's the redemption of mankind. Because he says in this passage, hey, listen, ask me for what you wish, and I'll give it to you. But it's in the context of John chapter 15, which he has called us into a life of fruitfulness, which in turn means the moment that you were saved, you were simultaneously called into the mission of God. And yet, when we abide in Christ, and you might jot this down, this is kind of the synopsis of the message today. When we abide in Christ, we can confidently pray for more. When we abide in Christ, we can confidently pray for more. And here's what we can do. We can dream, and we can wish, and we can imagine, because with God, there's no impossibilities. We can dream, we can imagine, and we can wish for the things that we would like God to see God do in our lives and through our lives. I mean, I hope this morning that all of us catch on to this concept of what God wants to do in us and through us in the realm of prayer. We don't talk a lot and use words like supernatural, but I think we should. Because the Word of God is a book that's supernatural. There's a spiritual realm in which we actually find our own reality, and uh, at the end of the day, we can come into the presence of God, and we can seek the power of God, and we can see God do supernatural things. And all of God's people said, we can see that. I believe today and this morning I was convicted by this because God has opened some unusual opportunities and doors in my life in recent days of folks that are far from God and they're religious people, but they've never put their complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God has given me some incredible witnessing opportunities and it would be very easy in my heart to believe that they're never going to come to Christ. And yet I was reminded this morning and convicted that the Lord's hand is not too short, that it cannot save. I was reminded this morning that uh, uh, in the Old Testament, it says, is there anything that's too hard for the Lord? And friends, I don't know what it is that you're facing this morning, what obstacle that's looking right in the face. Man, we're going to get into this a little bit later, and it kind of excites me, but I don't know what it is for you this morning, but I can tell you, If you abide in Christ and his word abides in you, you can ask for whatever you wish and he'll hear you and he'll answer your prayers. Now, he encourages his disciples, that's you and me, those of us who know Christ, to ask for what we wish. What does that mean? You know, I leave most messages on prayer feeling guilted or shame. You know, like, oh man, you know, I don't pray enough. Like, I mean, how many of you often, let's just be honest, how many of you feel like, man, I don't pray enough, right? You just feel that way. I do. I feel like, man, I just don't pray enough. Or maybe here's one, I don't, I, don't pray, I don't pray well, right? Or I don't even know what to say to God. Like, I don't know how to talk to him, right? And I mean, I was in Bible college, and there was this guy, man, and uh, whenever he prayed, we, we always would joke with him. We'd say he prays in the KJV, because when he would pray, he would get up and he'd say, O thou heavenliest Father, we cometh before you today. And I just thought to myself, if that guy came up to me and started talking, I'd probably just smack him. You know what I'm saying? Like, why are you being weird, man? 
When you talk to God, you talk to him like you would anyone else in a sense of reverence, right? But you can talk to him. You can speak to him. You can cry in front of him. You can lay your heart out before him. You can tell him about your sin and your struggles, and there's no guilt and there's no shame. And so the, the intent of the message today is not to, 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 to lay on you any more guilt or shame, because for many of us, prayer is a duty when God intended prayer to be a delight. God wants us to delight in the time that we have with him. In fact, prayer is an act of dependence. It's an act of humility. It's an act of communion. And, and it's true what J.I. Packer says in his book on knowing God. We become what God intended us to be when we become people of prayer. We become what God intended us to be when we become people of prayer. And so I'm not here this morning to guilt or shame, but to encourage us to the potential and the possibilities of prayer for those of us who follow Jesus. So so let's begin this morning with, number one, the invitation to pray. Jesus says in this passage of Scripture, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, I love, again, the word abide. And Mike did a wonderful, wonderful job of illustrating to us last week what it means to abide by giving us that, that visual and that picture of a cup, of a cup of tea. And so Mike used to take his coffee and he'd take his tea bag and he'd dip it in and out, dip it in and out, right? And one lady said to him, she says, I can tell a lot about a person's walk with the Lord by how they take their tea. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, if you take it in and out, that means that sometimes you're in with Jesus, sometimes you're not in with Jesus. But man, when you put that tea bag in and you just let it abide, it resonates. It's overcome by the presence of Jesus Christ. And so some of us, we have a tendency, and I I think I would be in this crowd. I was totally convicted by that last week. Some of us have the tendency to kind of dip into Jesus when we need something, and we use him as a a means to an end. And so we're pragmatists by nature. And so so ultimately, we, we don't know what it means to just remain in and abide in and commune with and find our, our wholeness in our walk with Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says in this passage, look, if you abide in me, if you resonate in me, if you remain in me, if you continue in me. Now, he says also, if you abide in my word. Now, abiding in his word, we begin asking and seeking for the will of God. And there have been some things in life that I've asked God for that was not according to his will. And most times when I did that, it was because I wasn't abiding in him. Reminds me of that old country song by, um, I think it was Garth Brooks, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers, right, amen? Aren't you glad that God didn't answer some of the prayers that you have for the folks that you dated back in the, oh, God, please let me marry this person. And then you look back 20 years later, and you go, oh, thank God I dodged a bullet, you know, amen. <laughs> I do that. You know, that's what Facebook's for, you know. Woo, they they didn't age well. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that out loud. I didn't say that. Whew. All right. I know some of the, yeah, I'm sure they'd say that about me. Um, man, abiding in his word, living in the word, remain, like that, that picture, that tea bag, just, just finding yourself, remaining in it, resting in it, continuing in it. When you don't have the answers, when, you, when you've lost your hope, when you're frustrated, when you're impatient, when you're, when, when you're at an impasse, and instead of giving in, you lean into the word of God. 
what happens is the word supernaturally shapes our heart to do the will of God. And then as we walk in life in the presence of Jesus, as we've been talking about this last month, our hearts begin to be shaped by the word of God, and it, it motivates us to advance the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of self. And so we find purpose and fulfillment in the calling to follow Jesus and to commune with Jesus and then to reach out to him in prayer. Many of us, myself included, have no idea oftentimes what to ask for. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we don't even know what to ask Jesus for, right? And, and sometimes when it comes to our kids, like, I mean, I mean, if you're raising a child that's 13, 14, 15 years old, that's like an enigma. And you're like, what's an enigma? That's a puzzle wrapped in a mystery. Can I get an amen from all the parents today, right? I mean, you're just, you're hoping that you, you're doing the right thing, right? I, I mean, I got an account set up for my kids' therapy when they get older because I know, like, they're going to be messed up, you know? And maybe because of my, no, I'm just going to say it's my wife, but, you know, just saying, no, I'm just kidding, right? But, but here's the thing. Sometimes we get to a place where we're like, man, I don't, God, I don't, I don't even know what to ask for. I don't even know how you can deliver me from the situation. I, I don't even know what direction you want me to go. And, and, and here Jesus is just saying, hey, look, just abide in me. Just abide in my word. I'm going to work it out. I'm going to bring newness to the situation. And I think sometimes we don't know what to ask for in part because we spend so little time abiding in Jesus. We spend so little time allowing the word of God to, to shape our hearts and our minds and our values and our, and our wills and, and, and ultimately our purpose. It's likely for many of us that the will of God isn't even really on our radar. We're not thinking about what would God want in this situation? What would God have me to do? What would bring delight to him? What would be obedient in the situation? And so oftentimes, um, because of the deceitfulness of and the wickedness of our own hearts and our desire to protect ourselves, we're not really interested in or we're ignorant of the will of God in that moment. And so we must abide in him and abide in his word. And I've said this several times, and I want to I re, review this again, but many of us in this room have been saved a long time. And it's easy to have confidence in our religious knowledge, but listen, knowing stuff isn't the same as knowing the Savior. It's not the same. You can know a lot of things, and I, I'm going to tell you something. I can walk through all the ologies, eschatology, pneumatology, um, soteriology, dispensationalism. I can walk through all of that stuff, and knowing all of that stuff factually doesn't lean me into an experience with Jesus Christ. And I can know all the stuff in the world, but not know Jesus, right? And so for some of us, that's kind of where we're at. It's, it, it's possible to be an expert at serving and a novice at being his friend. And I just want to ask you this morning, when it comes to your relationship with Christ and, and understanding what it means to abide, do you know that Jesus this morning is your friend? That he's invited you into that relationship? We must transition from knowing facts. Listen, we got to transition from knowing facts about Jesus to having an experience with him. Can I get an amen on that today? Oh, man. We got to move from knowing a bunch of stuff about Jesus and, let, and that being the, the primary motivation of our Christianity and saying, okay, yes and amen, I need to know theology. And yes and amen, I need to know the word of God and allow my mind and my heart and my worldview to be shaped by the word. But, man, there's 
just going to be some time I just need to sit at the feet of Christ. and Let him minister to my soul. Let him speak into my heart. Let him give me direction because I'm confused and I'm doubting and I'm frustrated and I surely don't know what to do. So many of us claim to follow Jesus, but we often function like we don't need him. In, in verse 5, Jesus states emphatically, look with me in verse 5, I am the vine and you're the branches, and whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Listen to what he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And when you know that you can't do life on your own, when you know that you can't do life on your own, prayer then makes sense to you. It makes sense. It resonates with you. Prayer reveals needs. It's the alternative to living independently. It's going deep in prayer. Dependency is the heartbeat of prayer. Let me ask you this morning, how dependent are you upon God in prayer? A needy heart is a praying heart. Let me ask you this morning, are you bringing your weariness to Him? I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just get weary. I get weary of my own soul. I get weary of my own sin. I get weary of my own mistakes and failures and my own struggles. I get weary of people. People drive me nuts sometimes. You know, my family, they drive me nuts. You know, sometimes I just want to go for a walk. Where are you going? I'm not telling you. Leave me alone. Sometimes we just grow weary. Sometimes we get weary of our jobs. We get weary of the weather. Sometimes we're just battling um, an illness or, 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 or we're in a financial position and we just don't see light at the end of the tumble and, and we're just weary. Some of you are weary because you're afraid all the time. And you're trying to control and manage life and people and other things. And you're, you're trying to do things outside of the circle of responsibility that God has designed you for and called you into. And so you're weary. Are you bringing that to him? Man, the criteria for coming to Jesus is weariness. Come overwhelmed. Come with your wandering mind. Come messy. It's your weariness that drives you to him. Prayer more than anything is about our relationship to Jesus. Listen to this. Prayer more than anything is about our relationship to Jesus, not the request we're asking of him. Prayer more than anything is about your relationship to Jesus. You ask, but most importantly, you seek to know Jesus and you let that change you. You know what I'm saying? I get it. We have, we have needs. We have things that we want to see God do in our lives. But more than the request, I want to challenge you to build the relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if God never answers your prayer, guess what? He's going to take you in another direction. And listen to me this morning, who God is, who he is, is more important than what he can do. It will always take you farther than what he can do. Because if I'm just using God as a genie in the bottle, like, oh, I need to help this bill get paid, or, oh, I don't feel good, and I'm going to pray for this, and, and I'm just going to let God fix this for me. Hey, listen, who he is in his character will take you far more in the distance in your relationship with him than what he can do. None of this is meant to be a rebuke or to become more spiritual. It's not a challenge necessarily to pray more, harder, or better. Jesus is inviting you and me into a communion with him. He's inviting us to abide. Prayer puts us in a position to experience the power and presence of God. And I don't know who of us this morning that wouldn't say, I need more of that in my life. But then secondly, we look at this and we see this incredible opportunity. We see the amazing potential and the possibilities that Jesus is inviting us into to, to be a people of prayer or a person of prayer. He's inviting us into this unique relationship. So what are the impediments to prayer? Why is it that we don't pray more? We all know that we need to pray more. And I'm not trying to do a drive-by guilting on prayer because Jesus invites 
those who follow him to pray, but what is it that hinders us, right? Now, he delights in, you know, do you know this this morning? I want, I want this to rest with you this morning. Do you know that Jesus delights, God delights in hearing your prayers? He, li- he likes that. You know, some of us think it's a bad thing. I, I was reading about this this week. Some of us think it's a bad thing, like, I, I get up in the morning, and I'll pray. I talk to God. Sometimes at night, like, I'll just lay in bed, and I'll just start talking to him. And then before you know it, like, I just fall asleep. But you know what? I think that's as pleasing to God as me getting up in the morning and spending 20, 30, 40 minutes with him in prayer. Because you know what? As a dad, when my little baby girls crawl up in my lap and they fall asleep in my arms, even at the age that they're at right now, man, that just does something for my soul. And I can't imagine that God's much different because we're made in the image of God. Amen? And I would consider this morning that God wants us to, 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 to bring those moments and have those moments with him. God delights in hearing our prayers, and yet so few of us pray. So few of us learn to talk to God. And, and, and I want to ask you this morning, and you might write this question down, but what difficulties do I face when approaching God? What are the impediments that I face? Because I want to remind you this morning that God desires to hear the prayers of his children. He's not annoyed. He's not too busy. He's not frustrated by our incessant asking, and he's not put out by our repetitiveness repetitiveness no he delights in our asking now several years ago my wife suffered from this disease called auto deficiency syndrome most moms get it when they have kids that are around three four and five years old and what happens is is that they're at home with the kids all day and they they hear this one phrase mom 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 and that's all they hear and what happens when you have audio deficiency syndrome is that you have the ability as a mom, it's kind of a gift from God to tune your kids out. Amen? And so when I would come home from work, Ellie and Brianna would roll up into the kitchen and mom, my mom, my mom, 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 mom. And I would be like, holy cow, do you hear these kids? And she'd be like, what? What are you talking about? That's audio deficiency syndrome. And for me, when I would hear that, it would inconvenience me. It would irritate me. It would put me out. But I'm going to tell you something. When you come before God and you say, oh, God, I need you. Oh, God, I need you. Oh, Lord, would you meet with me? When you go do that incessant asking, he invites us to do that. Amen? He's inviting us into that. And he's welcome, welcoming those types of prayer. And I think this morning we have a tendency not to pray, in part because we lack faith in God's will. Do we really believe that God, I want to ask you this morning personally, do you really believe that God can do anything? Do you know that he is mighty? I mean, do you know that this morning? Do you know that we serve an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, ever-loving God? And, and he, he knows us, and he, he knows that we know that this morning that he can work all things together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. I would suggest to you this morning that a disciple on his knees in the ear of God can move a mountain. We can do that this morning. Yet we spend so little time asking God to work and enable us to do his will. We're far too ignorant to understand the will of God. And, and listen, there is, a, there is a mystery to the will of God that we need to become comfortable with. I don't always understand why God does some of the things that he does. I don't always understand. I remember a few years ago when we were having the uh, wake for um, Opal Lemons, and that night... Chuck brought a, some cookies to the church, 
some oatmeal chocolate chip cookies, and on his way home was hit head on by a car coming in the opposite direction. And that night I stood in the hospital room with his two sons and with Janice, and I, I watched his life just slip before my eyes. And I, I, I 50 years old, I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around that. And there's a mystery to the will of God that we have to learn to be comfortable with and learn to trust God and learn to have faith in God. And we do that when we spend time in prayer with Him. And the Bible is filled with so many illustrations of the power of God. Story after story of redemption and restoration and healing. And it's sad that so many disciples and churches are impotent of the power of God available to them in prayer. And listen, Imagine the possibilities and what would happen in your life if you began communing with Christ in prayer. If you really began to believe that there is nothing that is impossible with God, and that if you call unto Him, He will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know, that you've never imagined. I mean, imagine this morning if we really believed that if we had the, the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, we could move mountains. So here we find that Jesus says, abide in me. Abide in my word. And you know what his word does? You know what the word of God does for us? This is why Jesus says, abide in my word. Because this world is going to wear you down. This world is going to challenge your faith in me. But he says, abide in my word. You know what the word does? It increases your faith. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You wonder sometimes why we as pastors invite you to church. It's not because we just want a large crowd. We just know that the Word of God will bless your soul. We know that the Word of God will increase your faith. We, will, we know that the Word of God will allow you to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. We know that. And we know that when you're in the Word, that the Word will increase your faith. It will inform your faith. So spending time with Jesus and, and in His Word grows your faith. And if, uh, Listen, are there difficulties? Are there hardships, obstacles, and disappointments in life? Yeah, man. Life sometimes just stinks. But nothing is a match for the one who faces each of them as an opportunity to demonstrate the power and presence of God in their life through prayer. So that's one of the reasons we lack time in prayer is a lack of faith, but also we lack familiarity in God's character. Man, we forget the love of God. Man, I do this so often. I have to remind myself. I kind of have to gospel my soul. And I have to constantly remind myself that in Christ, there's nothing that I can do that would cause God to love me more and nothing I have done that would cause God to love me less. I have to remind myself that all the time. I have to remind myself on a daily basis that the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. I have to remind myself, you know, often that there's nothing that will separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Oh, man, I'm the apple of his eye. When I think about God's love for me, I can't help but be drawn to the cross because in the cross of Jesus Christ, I'm reminded that there's no links that God isn't willing to go to demonstrate and show and prove his love for me, for me. And for you. And look at what he says in verse number 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And I'll abide my love. And he goes on to say, in verse number 15, I love this. He says, no longer do I call you servants. 
For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You know, I mean, in a sense, you know, Jesus is kind of like, hey, I kind of let you guys in on the good news early. I kind of wanted you to know about this because it would benefit you. And I want you to know that I wanted you to know this because I love you. Because I want you to understand you're not just servants. Listen, my friends. And so we lack familiarity in the character of God. We fail to realize that God does delight in hearing and answering our prayers and that he's inviting us into this. And when life is hard, he isn't punishing us. He isn't, he's pruning us. He's operating in my life and in your life from a disposition of unshakable, unconditional, unrelenting love. I mean, are, are you guys with me today? I know it's cold out. I'm almost done. I know it's cold. But, but does that make sense to you? There is a, there is a God in heaven who is relentless about his love for you. Relentless. Paul Miller said in his book on prayer, many Christians haven't stopped believing in God. We just become functional deists, living with God at a distance. And I want to say to Jackson Creek this morning, it's time for that not to be true in our lives. God is a loving God, and he doesn't withhold anything good from those who walk with him. He delights in us and our prayers, and he invites us into a place of authenticity and intimacy. Listen, Prayer isn't a duty. It's a time between treasured friends. It's a time between treasured friends. And then lastly this morning, I want you to think about one last thing. If Jesus is inviting us into prayer, look at this passage in verse number 7. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And in the following verses, he says, by this is my Father glorified. Mike talked about this last week. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove. You demonstrate. You give evidence of being my disciples. I mentioned this earlier, but we have this vocabulary of prayer speak. I'll lift you up in prayer. I'll remember you in my prayers. And many of these phrases, including us, never get around to praying. Why? You know why? I think in part, it's not just because of a lack of faith and a lack of familiarity. Most of us this morning really don't think prayer makes all that much of a difference. We just don't believe that God's really going to work on our behalf. We believe, hey, I'll go ask, I do this. I'm going to ask Pastor Mike to pray for me. Or I'm going to ask this person to pray because I know they know how to pray. And we fail to step into that realm. We fail to step into that space that Jesus is personally inviting us into. He wants you to pray. He wants you to commune with him. He wants you to see the great and mighty things. He wants you to see that he can do above and beyond anything that you can think or imagine. Jesus said, ask what you wish. Those who follow Jesus pray for God's will. They pray for his kingdom to advance. Listen, they pray for healing and restoration and for strength and for endurance. They believe in Isaiah 59.1 that God's hand is not too short that it cannot save. They believe that all things are possible with God in Matthew 19, 26. They believe that a mustard seed of faith can move mountains in Matthew 17 and verse 20. And those abiding in and following Jesus, they begin to see opportunities around them for God to work. They see the potential for God to do the supernatural. Disciples of Jesus, they believe that God is into saving, saving sinners and breaking the chains of sin. Let me ask you this morning, is that your heart? Is that where you're at today? 
Do you believe that God can heal? I mean, I, I, I believe that if there's uh, people in the church that are sick, if it's according to the will of God and we pray over that person, I just believe that God can heal people. And that's not because I'm a charismatic. That doesn't mean I'm going to ask you to come up and someone says to me, hey, pastor, uh, I've got this disease and I'm going to come and I'm going to slay you in the Holy Ghost, right? Some of you, I, you need to be slayed and I'd like to slay you, but I'm not going to do it because we're not charismatic, right? But we will pray over you because we genuinely believe in the power and the healing of God in such a way that it supersedes medical technology and medical advancement. We just believe God can do that. We believe that God can take the worst of sinners and bring them from darkness to light. We, we believe that. We believe that God can redeem and God can rescue, God can restore. We believe that God can put any marriage back together. We just believe that. And so I wonder this morning, do you believe that? You see, when you follow Jesus, you believe that a fruitful life with eternal significance is a possibility and the potential is endless. And I want to ask you this morning, please note this today. Please write this down. Have you stopped dreaming? Have you stopped dreaming about God's will for your life? Have you stopped dreaming? And then I want to ask you this question. Have you stopped asking? Have you just stopped asking God altogether for the supernatural and the impossible? that might be according to his will? I'm praying this morning, believing that God is able, that nothing is impossible if we ask according to his will. And I just want to ask you today, what if, what if all of us began to pray with faith? What happened in our church if we just started praying by faith? What if we, Mike's talking about a building expansion, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, it makes me nervous. We built this building, it took us 13, 13 months to build it. I think it was like a nine-month project. That just goes to show you how smart we were. <laughs> 13 months took us to build this, and it was hard. And there were so many spiritual battles along the way. And the idea of thinking about uh, raising more money and, and going through that process, just in, in some sense, and even likely for Pastor Mike and for the other pastors, feels a tad overwhelming. But I know this time around, just by experience, that when God meets with us, and God gives us a direction, and God gives us a plan, and God gives us a purpose, there's nothing that's impossible with Him. Sometimes we just got to step out by faith. Learn from our failures. I want to ask you this morning, what if we all prayed with faith? Let me ask you this, what if we prayed for fervent, with fervency? Now, I got two girls, and every time we go to the store, like, hey, can I have one of those? Hey, can I have one of those? Hey, can I have one of those? Can I have one of those? I mean, it's just, you know what I'm saying, parents? Like 15 different things. Now, they're in here today, and so hopefully they'll forget what I'm about to say, but usually when they ask me for something several times, like the same thing, Ellie this week had asked me several times to take her to the Field Museum. You know, I knew at that point that this was important to her. That was a fervent request from her. And I think sometimes God potentially doesn't answer our prayers because we don't pray with fervency and focus. We're like, oh, I want one of these. Oh, I want one of these. Or I need this. Or I want that. And listen, God is not your, 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 your need giver, all right, or your, 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 the person that meets everything that you wish for in life. We're not talking about every day as a Friday type of praying here. 
we're talking about praying for the will of God and the advancement of God's kingdom. And what would happen if we prayed by faith? And what would happen if we prayed with fervency for God to multiply disciples at Jackson Creek? I mean, truly committed followers of Jesus Christ. Now listen, Mike mentioned Project 2K. I brought it up last week. We're going to ask you to invite and pray for 10 people for Easter. Not per couple, but every single one of us. You know why? Because we believe that being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that you're going to multiply disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And I believe that if God is going to meet with our church, listen, in the book of Acts, whenever the Holy Spirit showed up, it was always in relation to when they had a boldness with the gospel to the lost world. Almost every single time that the Holy Spirit shows up, it's when the gospel is being proclaimed to the lost. And if God will bless Jackson Creek, it's going to be through prayer and it's going to be through a passion for people that are far from God. God will bless that. And so we're already trying to prime the pump and get you to be thinking about and get you to be praying about uh, who you can invite for Easter uh, this, this year. Praying for 2,000 people to come to know Christ and to come and sit under the sound of the Word of God. I want to ask you a couple more questions. What kind of testimony would it be to your neighbors if God began answering prayers in your life and family? What kind of testimony would you have in your neighborhood if God just started answering supernatural, impossible prayers in your life? What if everyone in the neighborhood knew that they didn't need to go to the church in order to get help spiritually, but they're like, man, God's doing some like crazy things at this, these people's house, and, and I just know that if I have a problem, I need to go there. It's not about the church collective or the church location, but it's about you and me being lights and darkness in the neighborhoods in which God has placed us in. And so I want to ask you this morning, and I asked you a little bit ago, a lot of application this morning, but have you stopped dreaming for God? But I want to ask you this morning, what are you dreaming for God? Maybe this morning, this message might realign your heart to the will of God. It might realign you to what God, God's purpose for your life is. Now think about it this morning. What are you dreaming for God for your marriage and family? What are you dreaming about? What type of legacy do you want to leave to your children? And guess what? It's never too late to leave a solid legacy of faith for your kids. You can start today. How about this one in marriage? Marriage and family? And just in your marriage, praying for healing and restoration. Some of you, you, some of you that are here today, your marriages are all messed up. You don't talk to each other. You're strangers passing in the night. You're nothing more than roommates. There's no love. There's no passion. There's no, there's no unification over your relationship with Jesus. And so maybe you're dreaming for prayer and restoration and healing in your, in your marriage. Or maybe healing. Maybe someone in this room has cancer. Or maybe someone in this room has a, has a, a, a chronic disease or a health problem. And, and what if we just believed God for a supernatural work in that regard? Or how about your work? How God can use your work to further the gospel? What are you dreaming for? I, I love what Billy and Amy are doing. Billy's in Michigan today preaching in another church, and he's going to be flying out to Florida later this week to uh, uh, get connected with some church planters down in Orlando. And he's taking his job, and he's strategically going to live in a place where he can use his giftedness and his abilities to plant more churches and make more disciples. So how could God use your work? How about your personal calling? How does God want to use you to advance the mission? Not me and Pastor Mike, Pastor John, and, and, and Pastor Ben, but how does God 
want to use you personally to advance the mission of God. And I hope all of our students here today think about that. you got your whole life in front of you. I hope our, our, uh, our high school students, they, they hear this. I hope our junior hires, our fifth and sixth graders hear that today. Listen, I was, I was in eighth grade when I surrendered my life to do whatever God wanted me to do. When I was in um, tenth grade, I surrendered my life to be a, a missionary. When I was a senior, I, I uh, committed to going to Baptist Bible College, and I majored in missions and Bible, and then I went and got my master's degree, and then I went and became a, a singles director, then a, then a marriage pastor, and then God allowed us to plant this church, and, and now for the last uh, 16 years, God, is, God has given me the opportunity to use my life in such a way to make a difference for eternity. And there's no waste. There's no waste in giving your life to Jesus Christ. There's no waste in surrendering your life and being willing at least to say to him, Lord, here's my life. Take my life and let it be. Holy consecrated unto thee. And then the church. I want to ask you this morning, how does God want to use our church to accomplish the mission of God? Man, I, I want to tell you this morning, and I know this would be the sentiments of all the pastors today, but I believe our best days are ahead of us. Are there going to be struggles? Yes. Is there going to be conflict? Absolutely. If we're moving forward and we're advancing the kingdom of God, there's going to be difficulty. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be times and seasons of difficulties. But God wants us to lean into him and depend on him and walk with him and see him do the impossible. And so this week, I want to encourage you, talk to Jesus like you would a friend. I want to just encourage you this week to just get along with Jesus and just say, God, I've, I've kind of lost my ability to dream. And I just, I need to just turn off my phone and I need to get out from under the TV and I need to find a quiet place. And Lord, I just, I want to walk with you today. And, I, and maybe you get up one morning and go to the mall because you can't go outside. Don't go outside this week, all right? then we're going to be praying for your mental health, right? Don't go out this week, but maybe go to the mall or go somewhere where it's quiet and just just like that old hymn writer used to say, just a little walk with thee, just a little walk with thee. Oh, man, that we might be a people that just walk with Christ in the ebb and flow and the rhythms of life. And then I want you to ask Jesus this week to increase your faith and reveal his love for you. And listen, ask Jesus this week, to increase your faith and reveal his love. And listen, when he does, write it down. Just write it down. Remember. Remember how he showed you this week that he loves you, because he will. And then lastly, write out your dreams. What are you dreaming for? Oh, man, I hope that we never, if, Chris, if there's anyone on this planet that ought to dream big, it ought to be those who follow Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you this week to write down your dreams, and then I want you to pray for them. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you this morning, how many of you, could say to me this morning, Pastor Jay, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, and there's no doubt in my mind that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I can lift my hand and give testimony of that today. Just lift your hand up real quickly this morning. How many of you say to me this morning, Pastor Jay, I'm not certain that I know Christ. I don't know that I've been forgiven of my sins, and I don't know that, that I have a right relationship with God, and I'd just like for you to pray for me this morning. Is there anyone that's like that that's in here this morning? Anyone at all? Amen. Now, thank you. And anyone else that would say to me this morning, Pastor Jay, and I, I don't know that I really have been abiding in prayer. And I just want you to pray for me that I'd make a concerted effort to speak to, to recognize the call of God in my life to abide in prayer. Would you pray for me this week, Pastor? Man, amen. Hands all over the room. 
How many of you would say, just in the end part of this message, you'd say, man, Pastor Jay, I, I've stopped dreaming for God, for my family, in my marriage, for my kids, for this church, for my neighborhood. And, and I want to be a follower of Christ that, that lives for something significant, something eternal, something worthwhile. And I want God to increase my faith right here, right now, that I might be used of Him, that I might fulfill His purpose in my life. And you'd lift your hand just as a way of testimony. Oh, man, I want to dream for God. Lift it up this morning. Amen. Amen. And don't ever stop dreaming for God. Don't ever stop asking for God, for His will and His plan and His purpose in your life. Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for the privilege it is to stand up week in and week out and preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Lord, sometimes our faith just wavers. I remember yesterday just praying, Lord, that old song that William Cooper wrote, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Bind my wondering heart to thee. God, so often we get discouraged and we get frustrated and we we lose sight of your plan and your, your purpose. We lose sight of your love and your commitment to us. God, I just pray this morning that we'd begin, that we would get back to a place of believing you and following you and praying with faith and focus and fervency in our lives. Not just the pastors, not just a few, but our entire congregation that we would call out to you in prayer, begging for your power and your presence in our life as we walk with you. We ask all these things in your precious name. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? The song of